Welcome back into the Card Chronicle podcast. It's been a while, folks, but we are here, Mike Rutherford and Danny Sennard. Uh, it's been about, I guess, three weeks since the last podcast we had. It's been a little bit longer since Danny and I talked, but uh, schedules were a little bit mixed up the last couple of weeks. Dan took some trips. Uh, the Rutherfords went on vacation. Uh, I got sick. You got sick. Everybody listening to this has been sick. It's 95 fucking degrees everywhere you go. It's just, it's it's awful. This has been a, a rough stretch of time, but we're here, Dan. We're back. We're doing the pod, and we've got not really much to talk about as far as Louisville sports are concerned. Yeah, I mean, as far as this podcast goes, if this was a real job, like, we would today have been called into the office for just keep over-promising and, like, oh, yeah, like, you know, we got, we, we're we working on something. We're, we're coming back anytime, and then it's, like, three weeks. It's, like, have they still not finished those TPS reports? Um, but yeah, no, I mean, we, we, we definitely, um, I feel like a, a decent amount has happened, um, since we last talked. Unfortunately, you know, there's not really a whole lot going on the field at this moment, which I, I think is kind of our specialty, which we, we like to kind of break down and talk about, but, um, there's still stuff going on. Um, the Reds are meddling around 500, so I know everyone cares about that. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm I'm looking forward to kind of diving into some of the newer developments that have happened these past couple of weeks. I love your brilliant insight right off the bat, saying that there's not a whole lot happening on the field right now. <laughs> it's it's June 29th. There's literally nothing <laughs> happening on the field. There, there are no games happening as far as Louisville sports are concerned. But we're still going to talk about some stuff here. Um, I, I mean. And also the Reds drop a minute and a half in. If you're, if you're counting at home and you had the under, I think it was 129 there. So we got the under on the minute and a half for the first Reds drop. Uh, we should say, I've got, I have to point out, I have to talk about this because it was a thing back when I was doing the radio show. People kept tabs on this. The Reds don't lose when I go on vacation. It's true. It's very true. It's kind of scary. It's unbelievable. I, I think we may have mentioned this briefly on the pod. Uh, after we talked about our disastrous mini vacation to Florida in April, but the Reds, I think, went three and zero during the four days we were there. Um, and like, this became a thing a couple of years ago. People would legit tweet me and be like, "You've got to stay on vacation, man! Like, just see how far this can go." But we get down to uh, to Hilton Head a couple of weeks ago, and I mean, the Reds sweep the Brewers, who are in first place in the Central. They beat whoever I don't even remember. I think they, they beat Colorado. They swept the them in the series. They, they beat the Rockies. Yeah. They sweep the Brewers in Milwaukee, and then so the, the first game that they lose to the Padres after they've come back, they take the lead in the bottom of the night. The moment the Padres hit the walk off, it was midnight. Like I looked at the, I was watching the game on my computer, which was the day that we were going to leave. So technically, I feel like we didn't lose a game when we were on vacation. We were we were there when they lost once, but we were about to leave. So I don't know. It's just it's a weird thing. I feel like we need to go back. But hey, they're playing. They're keeping us entertained right now, Dan. That's I mean, keeping us entertained. How many times do we ask that before the season? Just get us to July, and we're almost there. So these are the expectations of uh, a Reds fan. Just give us something to pay attention to for as long as possible until like Louisville football gets close enough that we can start actually talking about the first game. Exactly. Nope, you're exactly right. So we'll see what happens these last couple of months, but I have a feeling that Louisville football will probably come to the forefront here sooner rather than later. All right, so we're going to talk about some stuff going on with Cardinal Sports, and then we're going to take a bunch of Twitter questions. But uh, we we had my vacation, 
you guys had a disastrous uh, event a few weeks ago. You've had a lot going on here, and I haven't prefaced you on this purposely. I, I want to get a general. I want you to tell me where to start this podcast. You get to decide the first thing that we're going to talk about here. It can be Louisville-related. It can be your Memorial Golf Tournament disaster story. It can be whatever, but we're going to kick the podcast off with Danny Sennard taking us in direction one. You're taking us into turn one. Well, let's do this because I was I was reading through some of the Twitter questions, and, and our friend UofL Hot Hot posed a question Um you know, does does Dan, I think, have any accents regarding a bicycle? And believe it or not, that actually, it, my story involving the memorial actually involves a bicycle. Oh, yeah. um, so we could actually save that for the end. Uh, I'll save my, my Dan in the dumps for the end of the story, a little tease right there. That's how they do it in the biz. Um, but, yeah, it was a, it was an eventful Sunday at the memorial tournament. Um, and yeah, the, the story, I don't want to hype it up too much. It's not like absolutely outrageous, but it's just, it's something that, uh, yeah, I, I've never experienced before. So you're, you're just punting on taking us into first topic. You just <laughs> something you didn't, didn't actually take us into any topic. We probably should have discussed this before we went <laughs> on here. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll save the Dan in the Dumps story for you. I have like four Dan in the Dumps. I'm not going to just waste them all. We've had we've been off for three weeks. Some involve me. Some involve my brother. Um, you know, so I, I'll pick and choose my spots because we're going to have more pods to do these. But um, yeah, I, I, I say we kind of talk about what's what kind of happened over these three weeks, and then I'll get to my Dan in the Dumps at the end of the show here. All right, well, first topic, where, where are we starting these last three weeks? What do you want to talk let's, about? Uh, let's do uh, this uh, Nash, uh, this name image likeness. I think it's, I mean, obviously it's a game changer. I don't know what your thoughts are on it. You picked the thing that people want to hear about, I think, the least that are talking really? about. Really? Oh, my God. I, I, I mean, when it comes to our punishment, I mean, I, I don't know. That's my whole thing is, we're we're being punished for paying a guy a hundred thousand dollars, and now it seems like it's about to become the wild wild west as far as paying people. Yeah, you know, I, I, it's it's kind of put puts us in a weird situation, and I don't know what's going to happen moving forward. The thing about name image likeness, as it pertains to like this podcast and this uh, this forum, is I don't think if you're listening to this, you already have an idea. Uh, you've probably been name image likeness out like, like you've heard so much about this in recent weeks and there's not a whole lot that's changed there's no insight that we can give that you haven't already heard a billion times and the NCAA has flubbed this uh, of course Mark Emmert said uh, back in May we're definitely going to have set plans in place by July 1st and last week he's like no 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 no. We're, we've, we've got no plan here we have no idea what to do maybe the government can help us out maybe Congress can get involved in this um, the Supreme Court thing a couple of weeks ago too just sort of uh, it was, was the latest bit of egg on their face. But Kentucky does pass via executive order from Governor Andy Bashir some NIL laws that are going to go into effect, uh, along with, I think, 12 other states now on July 1st. Other, other states, including your beloved Ohio now, ha- have presented these laws. They just haven't been passed yet. So the NCAA has no plan. They, they came out with something last night saying they're going to vote on their interim plan for states that don't have any NIL laws uh, I think that vote's going to happen today. But basically, nobody knows what the hell's going to happen on July 1st. The Yahoo had a story a couple of days ago where they interviewed a bunch of college basketball coaches, including, uh, I, I think, Mike Gray 
and I can't remember who else, uh, Donahue at Penn State and, and a couple of other guys, and they all were just like, we're trying to turn to somebody for guidance as far as what we should do and how we should be handling this, and nobody has any sort of insight. I mean, it, you use the term Wild West, and I think that's going to be tossed around a whole bunch. We don't know how this is going to work. You, you got, I, I think Louisville, to their credit, and Vince Tyree specifically, has been on top of this. They have a plan in place, but that plan could totally be circumvented by an NCAA rule or an NCAA set of bylaws that comes out a month from now, or maybe some new government legislation that, uh, that that supersedes what we have in place. So we just don't know how this is going to work. Is it the NCAA's fault? Absolutely. I mean, they've had you, you've seen, you should have seen this coming down the line five fucking years ago. You've had all the time in the world to prepare yourself for this, and they've been waiting for some sort of, you know, God of the machine type thing to come save them, and it's not going to happen. Like, the, the time is now. Kids are going to start getting paid. The, uh, this country, which is not on the same plane with regards to anything, is universally, almost universally now in favor of this. They're almost universally against the NCAA, and it'd be nice if we had some sort of insight into how this is going to go and we don't. It's just, it's, it's going to be a mess, but it's coming. No, I mean, and the, and the thing is, I mean, I think you and I would both agree on this. And I think most people listening, I mean, you know, the times have changed. I think most people, I would hope most people are in agreement that, you know, these kids should be making money, um, you know, basically off their name if they want to do endorsements or whatnot. So, uh, with, with that being said, I am all for that. But the fact that there isn't a plan in place of how this is going to happen, and this is just, you know, suddenly passed with like the snap of a finger. I mean, it's a little scary to me. Uh, I, I don't really know. I, I mean, there's just so many question marks. I don't know where this is going to take, you know, NCAA athletics, um, it, you know, who knows how much the NCA is even going to be like how much longer they're going to be around. I mean, there's just so many question marks in the air. It, it's, it's really hard to predict right now. Um, I, I'm very interested to see like what the first domino is to fall or who's the first person to, you know, sign some sort of endorsement deal on how much it's for. Um, because there might be schools that play their cards really well here that maybe, you know, you wouldn't think of, as like a powerhouse and, and sports or whatnot, but they take advantage of this and they become a major player as far as recruiting. So um, a lot to shake out here in these, these next summer months, especially leading up to football, but it, it is a little bit, you know, worrisome is the fact is there's no real direction, but I, I am, like I said, I'm all for kids making money. It just sucks that there's no like, you know, defined plans as of this moment. Well, that's kind of like, that's an evergreen statement with the NCAA. Like, I feel like that's, we were doing that with college basketball last season. We're like, they're going to play. We have no idea how this is going to work. Like, there was no plan for the NCAA tournament when the first games were tipping off in November. And I mean, it's just kind of, it's what they do. It's what you expect at this point. I'll say this and then we'll move on. And I've been saying this for years. I think that of all the programs out there, who stand to benefit the most from this whole thing. Louisville's got to be at or near the top because they're the biggest – we are the biggest city without a pro sports team that has flourishing college athletics. Like you, You've got big businesses here that would be willing to invest in these kids because, you know, the UofL players, some, and I guess the UK players if you want to say that, like they are the pro athletes in this area. 
And so I think that's where Louisville can stand out against, like, you know, I'm trying to think of, like, a, a college town, like, even, like, Lawrence, Kansas. Like, like Louisville's a bigger city. There are more opportunities. There's more branding opportunities here. I think the other thing is, like, Louisville basketball, men's basketball, and football have not been the last – as much success as they've had the last couple of decades, they're not pulling in perennial top five recruiting classes in basketball or perennial top 25. They're never in the top 25 in football recruiting. And I think what you can do – now that you couldn't do before the NIL rules is go to a kid who would be, you know, like the the third five-star basketball recruit at Duke or at Kentucky or at North Carolina and say, look, if you go to Duke, you're going to be third in line for these NIL deals. You're going to be third in line to make money. Like they're going to go after the big kid or they're going to go after the senior. If you come to Louisville, you're the crown jewel of our recruiting class. Like you are the guy that businesses are going to go after. You are the guy that websites are going to go after for endorsements. Like I think that that's a pitch that you can have that wasn't in your holster before this happened. And maybe that's attractive to some people. Maybe that's attractive to a football player who doesn't want to be now the 10th four star to go to Texas A&M and would rather be one of the two or three four stars that goes to Louisville. I think that that's a nice pitch. And again, you've got, Plenty of opportunities here in a city like this. So I, I think that Louisville, when you look at this, it could really, really benefit the athletic program moving forward if it's done right. And it certainly seems, you know, with with, with Vince Tyre's full bullet plan that he released uh, last week and, you know, them having people, them hiring employees that have been working on nothing but this for several months, it seems like they're ready for this. And that's encouraging because, again, I think it could really, really benefit U of L. Yeah, I think Vince Tyre having like an extensive resume in the actual business world before taking this athletic director position could really benefit us in, in that scenario. Sure. Um, I, I feel like he might be someone that, you know, compared to other athletic directors around the country might be more in tune or on top of how to take advantage of this. Um, but I mean, I guess just my final thought and I mentioned it first, like I, this, this quote unquote punishment that we probably have coming down the pipe. It's just, I mean, of course we're going to be the school that maybe has to miss one or two years of the tournament for paying a kid while this is happening. Now kids are going to be making money. Um, it's just one big fucking mess. Like, I mean, I don't want really to harp on it anymore. I mean, the NCA is just the, the biggest cluster of an organization you'll ever find. Um, and this is just pretty much the cherry on top for me. I, I, I don't know what direction the NCAA is going to go with this, or like we said, if they're going to be even around in the years to come. But um, it, it'll be interesting to see kind of where this punishment um, goes if it does happen. I did love the juxtaposition last week of Vince Tyre, his press conference being first in the afternoon, and him, you know, being enthusiastic and answering all these questions seamlessly and really looking like he's got his, his shit fully together. And then right after Tyre gets done, you've got Mitch Barnhart who looks like he's taping a hostage video. <laughs> Dude, that was, a, that was actually hilarious. He looked like he would be rather be anywhere in the, in the world else. You, you would have thought that he was announcing that UK athletics was disbanding whether they were giving up the volleyball national title or something along those lines, which is just a bad move on so many levels. Even if you're like like super old school and you think the kids should be indentured servants forever and you don't think anybody should ever make any money off this besides 
your million dollar salary and the other people who are making billions of dollars off this, you have to at least fake it for your coach. Yeah. I mean, Calipari has come out enthusiastically in support of this. Mark Stoops has released a statement in support of this. It, doing a press conference the way that Mitch Barnhart did his last week only hurts your program. And I think you have to understand it at this point. Like, this wave is coming. There's nothing you can do to stop it. You can be pissy all you want. It's going to happen. And if you want to to benefit from it, like the time to start moving on it is now. And he seems like he's a little bit behind, uh, whereas Vince Tyree, I think, is on top of it. So, yeah, I mean, like, you can be upset about it, but you have to at least fake it on camera for the benefit of your coaches because this is what they're going to be dealing with moving forward. Um I don't really have any other thoughts on that. Uh, I, I think that we can we, we can move on here. Do you want to talk about? I know we have some Twitter questions about this. The big uh, basketball news. I know we got some football recruits over the weekend that didn't really seem to to move the needle all that much. I think we're going to be getting another one here around two o'clock this afternoon, a wide receiver. But basketball on that front, there's been a lot of speculation since Chris Mack started making the radio rounds and said, you know, we have a scholarship to use. We'd like to use it. Now there's talk that Sidney Curry, Juco prospect from John Logan, which produced Jay Scrub, uh, he's decommitted from Kansas. He did that a couple of months ago. A lot of people think he's going to go to Louisville. And he is, he's listed as a power forward. He's 6'8", 6'9", big body kid. So all this conversation about should Louisville use this scholarship on a guard or a big, it looks like they're probably leaning towards big. Um, it's an interesting I guess, guy, just because it seems like there's kind of a log jam at that five and four spots. What's your thought on Louisville potentially taking this kid? Yeah, I guess I was caught off guard by that, too. Um, I mean, the only thing I can really think of is, I mean, obviously Malik's health. You, you don't know how that's going to play out. Um, and maybe they're just looking for more beef up front. I mean, we do have talent, um, you know, if you're looking at, J.J. Trainer, Jalen Withers, or Dre Davis. I, I know Gabe. I don't know. You know, he might see his minutes have a little uptick this year. But maybe they're just trying to get more beefier up front. Um, maybe fill that hole that they thought that Aiden Agahan, um, you know, kind of the role he might play as far as a rebounder, shot blocker. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know. I don't know what's out there. I saw that the guard from Cincinnati, I forget his name, he just went on the transfer market. To me, I, I still would lean towards a playmaking guard, but obviously, I mean, uh, Coach Mack knows the roster better than, than I do. So if, if he feels that uh, this is a, a team need right now, that's, uh, you know, I'm not going to question him. I just hope it doesn't get in the way of some of the young development um, that we're going to need throughout this program. Yeah, Keith Williams, the kid from Cincinnati, uh, sort of a surprise announcement today that he's entering the transfer portal, just getting that in uh, before the July 1st deadline. He was a leading scorer last year, averaged about 15 points per game. He's sort of a 6'5 wing. The issue there, I think, is Chris Mack being boys with John Brandon, probably not going yeah, to Yeah, that's uh, true. Cincinnati right now, so not sure if Wibble will get involved there. But with Curry, I know he's listed as a power forward. My guess is that he would probably – I think he'd play both positions. He would do the Jalen Withers, J.J. Trainer thing from last year where he learns both the four and the five. But I think they would lean more towards playing him at the five because he's not like Withers and Trainer, where he can go out and kill you on the perimeter. He shot 70% from the field last year. Most of that was right around the rim. He kind of is that 
that in in that Chris Mack four out uh, one in offense. And I think that's probably the role that he would play here more. Now, he could play alongside a guy like Malik Williams or a guy like Roosevelt Wheeler if they're both healthy. But I think he would be more of a – I don't want to say like safety net because that's not the way that you're going to land a kid who could play big-time minutes just about anywhere. But he would probably be sort of a hybrid 4-5, leaning more towards the 5 uh, if I had to guess. And I do think it's a little bit of an insurance policy for if Malik's not fully healthy or if Wheeler's not fully healthy or if they're both not fully healthy by the time we get here to the fall. But that's kind of – that's really my only take on it. Was there was there a story behind his decommitment from Kansas, or he just decommitted? I, I I didn't read too much into it, but I didn't know if there was if they were recruiting over him, and he decided he was going to bounce, or he just decided that wasn't for him. Yeah, I mean, I think it was just mostly Kansas kind of being a clusterfuck. Not that we're not, but they're. Yeah. Sort of, I think they're dealing with a, a little bit more right now, and it, it is going to be. I mean. <laughs> The weird thing about the IARP and the NCAA waiting this long for all these punishments is they do now run the risk of looking really silly by punishing these programs for doing things that are now legal. It would have been like everybody brings up the fact that Indiana got torpedoed under Kelvin Sampson because he was texting recruits when he wasn't allowed to be texting recruits, a rule that is now – like what Sampson was doing in Indiana is totally legal now by NCAA bylaws. It would have been like if they had – punished Indiana for that like 10 years later when the texting rules were in place. Uh, it's just going it, – it already has looked silly. It's only going to look more silly when the punishments do come down in 2035 or whenever the hell they, they get around to making this happen. But uh, I know they, they finally got Creighton dealt with. Um, I guess they're going to start moving on to the big fish now, the, the programs that are probably looking at postseason bans, uh, which are us and Arizona and Kansas and, and NC State and the others. But, man, it's just – it's unbelievable that we're still talking about this going into the 2021-2022 season when this original story broke back in the fall of 2017. Like, it's just, how inept do you have to be to let stuff like this linger on? And I, I know I'm the 85th person to say this, but the biggest punishment of all is probably just the the time. It just the, the fact that we've been dealing with this more or less. Like, when all said and done, we're going to have been dealing with NCAA dark clouds and whatever terminology you want to use for pretty much a decade, which is just ridiculous. It, it should never last that long. Yeah, I mean, my kid's going to be driving by the time this literally all shakes out. But exactly. I don't know. I mean, it, it's you know, we've talked about it at nauseum. It's it's uh, it's an ass backwards organization that has no idea what they're doing, um, and it, it sucks that we're so passionate about it. Um, but you know, that's just right now, kind of the the cards that were dealt but I don't know I'm 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 the guy that falls into the trap I've been watching these like off-season videos I'm like all right I think these guys have a different mindset I think Chris Mack is refocused like I've expected a big year I'm like I've already totally fallen into that trap and I don't even know if they have everyone on campus I think Matt Cross was the last one just to get there but um I I love the videos that they put out I think the the marketing team does a great job with that um, so anytime they're out, uh, kudos to them. It, it's something I look forward to each time I log on Twitter. Oh, the videos are fantastic. I think the, I know that they're long, but they're worth the time. It's just, I'm with you. It's like any sort of content like that I can get during the off season. I just, I eat it up. It's, it's yeah. fantastic. Uh, before we answer some questions from Twitter, I want to get your thoughts real quickly. There is a tropical storm, Danny, that is hitting South Carolina right now. How do you feel about a potentially destructive natural disaster? bearing your name 
I feel like it's gonna like, yeah. I, I, first off, I'm honored. Um, it's, <laughs> second off, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like if it's Tropic Storm Danny, like something like really odd or weird is gonna happen. It's gonna like, you know, meet forces with like an earthquake or some shit. I don't know. I somehow. I, yeah, exactly. Like just completely. It's like, oh, it's gonna hit land and then just like completely like fall apart. I don't know. Um, I'm obviously you can see I didn't enter in the meteor meteorology world. Um, but yeah, kudos to Tropical Storm Dan. I do kind of wonder how you feel if you, you know, the storm bears your name. So like, you know, one of our best friends, I remember we were growing up, Hurricane Andrew was a huge deal. One of our best friends was Andrew and he was like, I was like, are you proud of that? He's like, no. He's like, Andrew like killed a bunch of people. It's terrible. I don't want my name associated with that. Um, we should say Andrew Weber also in town right now playing Valhalla currently. Uh, and it just adds to the frustration that I feel. By, I, I think being the last person that I know, I think you and I are the only people left that I know who have not played Valhalla. Fucking Greer. Greer who hits the ball <laughs> in the air one out of every six swings. has He plays Valhalla like every other week now. And, and I just... I've had it dangled in front of me so many times. I had, I mean, Terry Miners invited me to play with him and Sue Grafton's husband, which was going to be a hilarious trio. And like the day before the <laughs> the course was being aerated. Like I just, I'm, I'm very, I'm upset about it. I'm making it a podcast mission for, I'm not, I'm not just me, for both of us to play Valhalla at some point. Somebody needs to make this happen. We, we are very fun. We, we will have fun. We will have fun. Um, yeah, but if uh, if you do it, well, let's just say we'll be friends for life if if, if we ever got the invite. But uh, we we would make it worth your while. It's just ridiculous. I mean, we have we have friends like haven't lived in Louisville since they were seven years old. They're like driving through, and somebody's like, "Hey, man, you want to play Valhalla while you're here for that?" Like, it's just unbelievable. But anyway, so, it's like while you're at it, here's my Venmo. If you just want to put money in my Venmo account, uh, <laughs> I'm kidding, guys. I'm kidding. All right, let's get to these questions uh, from Twitter. Uh, much appreciated for everybody who has weighed in here. Um, let's see here, Big Blue Breakdown. What better start? What a better place to start than with a question from a Kentucky fan? If Louisville does face further further penalties, is it fair? considering that the violation, in quotes, is now allowed. We kind of talked about that. It, it does kind of seem unfair, but again, the rules are the rules at the time, and that's what the IARP is going to take into consideration. But it will be – I mean, it, it already felt like bullshit just because when you talk to people from – this is going to sound sort of hoity-toity, but like when you talk to people from basketball worlds, like they will tell you straight up, like that guy, that kid got this amount of money to play at that place. And, and like – just talking about it openly and honestly at these camps. And it's so, I guess that's why it's hard for me to get too upset when I hear not just Louisville, but any school get in trouble for stuff like this. But uh, again, that's the way it is. All right. Dev says top five U of L QBs and Froman has to be on the list. All right. So, so Froman at five. Uh, yeah. Roman, I mean, one, no. Uh, <laughs> Froman. Uh, who tops your list, honestly, all time? Who, who do you think is the best quarterback? We're talking college only, best quarterback in Louisville history. I mean, you know I'm a Teddy guy, but I can't. I mean, Lamar is yeah. obviously is going to be number one, even though I'm a huge Ted guy. So I would probably go Lamar one, Ted two. I um, three. For me, I think the three is where you can start having some argument. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, you can go back and forth between 
Redmond and Brom. Um, I don't know. I mean, do we want to be mean to Brian here and bump him down to four? I mean, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll yes. say it right now. If Roman's five, Brian's not on my list. Oh, yeah. I forgot about LaFleur's. Yeah, LaFleur should probably be three, um, at least to me. And then probably Redmond four, Froman five, from 72. Yeah, I think that's my list exactly. And I know whenever you have this topic, people are like, well, how do you leave Johnny Unitas off? I'm like, well, he, he, again, it's college only. Johnny Unitas had, like, people smaller than me blocking for him. He, he had no hope. I mean, he, he always talked about how that's where his quick release came from in the NFL was he didn't have time to throw the ball at Louisville. So it's kind of hard to take him into consideration. And, and he didn't even – yeah, anyway, we don't need to get into the Unitas thing, but – if we're talking college only, I don't think you can have him in the top five, assuming Froman's occupying the five spot. Uh, Pastor Emily says, best thing to do with toddlers in Louisville. We're coming back for a visit soon. May get rained out from doing anything really fun. Also, which UofL rival will new baby Rutherford be named after? Uh, best thing to do for toddlers in Louisville. I mean, it's been weird raising a toddler in a pandemic where we haven't really been able to get out all that much. But we have two playgrounds within walking distance. We do that a lot. Uh, we go to the pool a lot. Basically, every boring thing you can think of. I will say, like, parks, just let them run around. Like, we go to Brown Park, Cave Hill Cemetery, just anywhere where they can just sprint back and forth. We, we were a big, like, walking bridge family when yeah. we lived there. We'd do the walking bridge and then go over to Parlor Pizza. Adults can get a couple frosty beverages while the kids run around and then walk back. Um but, yeah, uh, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, Louisville's a great park city. So, I mean, anything you can get where the kid's just out in open space, you'll be fine. I also I have to add this because I, I meant to talk about this at the top. I don't know. if Like, we had a great time in Hilton Head. I don't know if vacations with kids that young are worth it. Like, my daughter has been completely thrown off for the last two weeks. Like, she – she had to kind of sleep in bed with us a lot when we were down there because there wasn't room. Like, we'd put the pack and play in the, in the bathroom. So now she wants to sleep in bed with us all the time. Like, her schedule is still off, and it's been over a week since we got back. She got sick when we got back. Like, it's just vacations with little man. It's, it's, it's a fucking mess. Mike, those beach picks are going to last a lifetime. Okay? It's all it's, <laughs> basically it's what I'm saying. It's just... Uh, I don't even know. Anyways, moving on. Uh, Trey Fletcher says, what's the best sporting event currently unfolding? Olympic trials, uh, Major League Baseball, NBA playoffs, Wimbledon, College World Series, Stanley Cup, Copa America, Euro 2020. There is, like, I do, it, I know it's out of season for us around here with college sports, but there's always so much going around, and I love having live sports during the day to just turn on and have on in the background. Um I'll let you go first. Out of that group, what has interested you the most so far this summer? Well, I, I mean, I give the boring answer. I mean, I watch every Reds game, so obviously I'm a baseball guy. But with the Olympics coming up, like, I'm not a Winter Olympics guy. Summer Olympics, I, I do enjoy. My wife used to be a gymnast, so she's big into the gymnastics. We actually, my, my youngest daughter, Mallory, woke up at 6 a.m. today, and my wife had the the gymnastic trials tape, um, and we watched that at like 6.30 this morning, so that's what I've been doing with my life. 
Um, but yeah, no, I, I would say, I mean, there is a lot going on. Uh, the Stanley Cup, I think the Lightning are going to just plow through the Habs. I don't think that's going to be much of a series. I usually love the College World Series, but theme of the podcast, the NCAA fucked that up with the NCAA, or excuse me, with the NC State um, disqualification. So I would say right now, uh, baseball I'm into, and then I'll, I'll definitely be into the Summer Olympics. I'm all about Wimbledon right now. I'm with you on baseball. I haven't, this is bad. Like I've, I've liked the NBA playoffs and I know the TV ratings are like through the roof and everybody's watching it. I haven't, I feel like I haven't just because of what's been going on and, you know, traveling and kid being just not sleeping at all. Like I haven't watched as much as I would have liked to, but I watched, um, I love Wimbledon every year. It's probably my top sports bucket list item that I've got left out there. Like watching Francis Tiafo, who I think is just a, awesome story and who I love uh, beat Sissipas the third seed yesterday in the opening it was a great way to start it off I'm all in on Federer I mean maybe he's top three athlete for me all time I'd love to see him win one more this may be the last year that he plays he'll be 40 uh, coming up in a couple of months um, I watched the free recommendation for anybody who loves sports docs and I know I told you this already there was a 2018, I think BBC did it, sports documentary on the 08 Wimbledon uh, final between Nadal and Federer. It's called Strokes of Genius. It's on YouTube for free. You don't have to pay. You can just watch it there. And it's awesome. And that got me really, really excited for uh, for Wimbledon coming up. So I'm all about that. I'm with, I haven't watched much of the College World Series. When Louisville didn't get in, I kind of just, I don't know, turned it off. I do, I, I have liked watching the Euro 2020 because it's on during the day and you can have it on in the background, and you don't really have to pay that much attention to it. So I, I love summer sports, especially when it's an Olympic year. It makes it a whole lot more fun, and I'm excited for the uh, the, the Tokyo Olympics coming up here. Uh, Howie Lindsay says, if you were managing Earl Clark's NIL in college and he could endorse one local product or restaurant, which one would it have been and why? Um, oh, that's, a, that's actually a really good question. I mean, either a golf course or something that makes bananas, because those are the two best Earl Clark pictures of all time. I mean, how, we'll tie it back. Valhalla. Earl Clark for Valhalla is the best combination that I can possibly think of. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was going to go different. I was going to say, like, Genesis Diamonds. Just like – Genesis Diamonds. Earl, Earl, Earl's done Genesis Diamonds? No, but, I mean, like, everybody does. Like, like Luke Hancock has done it. Like, it's like they have – more yeah I, I guess you're right yeah. that, that, that that's probably a little bit original I don't know I mean I'm trying to think of like local commercials that we saw all the time when I was living in Louisville I mean like I said being here in Seabus I don't really see the, the local commercials anymore um so it's a tough one to answer but just anything where Earl's doing something out of the ordinary um you know Earl Clark the uh Menard spokesman <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like the hall is like a, a perfect contrast for Earl Clark. It's like very uppity, you know. It's like the fanciest golf course in Louisville, and Earl Clark would come out and he'd be wearing his like uh, you know, the golf attire that he has in that famous picture. And like, I would just love to hear him talk about Valhalla. I think that would be fantastic. Um, Empanada Ale says realistic score prediction for versus Ole Miss. Here we go. Score prediction versus Ole Miss in Here we go. I've got no idea. We're, we're, we're not doing this. I, 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 we don't even know. Like, Ole Miss just lost its top linebacker who went to UK. I mean, we don't even know what the rosters are going to look like here. Um, uh, go ahead. 
Yeah, I was going to say, I almost gave out a score prediction. I didn't even know Ole Miss lost their top linebacker. My God, that would have been a travesty. He's um, playing now, so we're going to face him at the end of the regular season instead of the beginning. Uh, Josh Tech says, when are we starting a GoFundMe to get the Gus bus to Louisville? Yeah, we haven't talked about the Gus bus yet. Oh, boy. This this was – we probably should have let off with this, to be honest. Yeah, Gus uh, – was it Yaldon, I believe is his last name. I don't care. All I know is he he's the Gus bus to me. I haven't been – this excited for a recruit since 10 years ago when the Chicken Knoll saga happened. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm assuming you've you've seen the Gus Bust. You, you read about it in my card chronicle or you saw him somewhere else. He looks like a younger, knocked-up era Jason Siegel. Like, just not a whole lot of definition there. Like, 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 I don't know if he's good. The recruiting rankings seem to think that he's good. I don't. Really it doesn't. Ma- it doesn't matter. It, it does, does not matter if he's good. This he's guy is a—he's a swag cool. machine. Swag machine. He's baby Jokic. Uh, Jokic. He's—I uh, mean, we need the Gus Bus. It, it, his name's Gus. He goes by the Gus Bus. That's really all you fucking need to know. Like, we—he's got to be a cardinal. I—I I, I texted this to a group of friends, and I had, my buddy said I need to trademark this, but it's just the best nickname ever. If, if him and Gabe Witnesser are still—they're uh, playing at the same time. They need to check in together so we can say that the G unit is in the game. I uh, I, ab- I absolutely love the nickname um, G unit, hundred percent. Gabe and Gus, they're coming to your town and they're gonna fuck you up. Gabe and Gus, I mean, just the probably the best possible combination of names for a front court big white guy duo. Like, and then calling themselves the G unit just makes it better. Like, this is. We need to manifest this. This has to happen. Hopefully, I, I did see that the Gus Bus. He liked my tweet about the story that I wrote about about how we got to get the Gus Bus to U of L. So hopefully, you know, we're putting a little pressure on him, and we're going to make this happen. Like the thing is, though, like with Chicken Knowles, he had he was totally off the recruiting radar when we started talking about him. He actually started doing well at camps and got offers from I think Baylor, and, and he ended up going to Houston. So he was a legitimate recruit, even though U of L never actually offered him. The Gus Bus has like fairly big time offers. I think like every Big Ten school has offered him because he's he's big and he's white and they're I think they're contractually obligated to offer any big white guy recruits top one hundred. But um I mean it sounds like he can play. So Yeah, he, he looks like a, a prototypical Chris Max center a little bit, so he kind of fits the bill there. So um I'm I'm definitely not downplaying his skills. I I love the recruiting video. I love the body language. I love the hair. I love the swag. I mean, I'm I'm just all in on this kid. I'll recruit over a five star if we have to. Uh, let's just get this kid to campus. With you, uh, Baxley RJR says, "Why do you think the annexation of Puerto Rico from Little Giants was so successful? Um, because the Cowboys were meatheads, right? Like that was yeah, they they could be outwitted. That was the whole point of the movie, I think." Yeah, I mean, now you're you're dating me. I mean, obviously, I remember Little Giants, I remember Icebox, but I, and I remember the annexation of Puerto Rico. But I I couldn't tell you too much about that movie. Um, besides, I remember Devin Sawa was a big heartthrob among the ladies in my second grade class. He was. Has any like <laughs> come and gone faster than Devin Sawa? Like <laughs> no, no, not at all. And then he was in Casper. He was like the biggest deal in the world, and then he's like just gone, and then he showed up in those Final Destination movies, and he was like, oh, like nobody cares. He just, yeah, he peaked too early, man. It happens in Hollywood. He definitely peaked too early, but 
I'm sure he had some golden years there between the ages of 11 and 14. He briefly took the mantle from Jonathan Taylor Thomas and then just disappeared into obscurity. <laughs> like Derrick Rose. He, he's the Derrick Rose of teen heartthrobs in the 90s. Um, <laughs> what are we doing here? Uh, Corey Miller says, where does Don rank in all-time UofL NBA players, and what does it take for him to get to number one? It's funny. Like when I was um, getting ready to leave South Carolina, it was the – the Jazz, I guess it was the, the game that they lost, the last game, game six. Um, and Mark Titus of Tyson Day Podcast was texting me, and he was like, he's like, honest question. I'm not trying to be a troll here. He's like, is Donovan Mitchell the greatest Louisville NBA player of all time? He's like, I'm trying to think. Like, would Unseld be above him? Would Griffith be above him? And, I, I mean, we're getting to the point. Obviously, Don is still hopefully in the early part of his NBA career. But, I mean, if he keeps trending this direction, I don't think it's going to be close, that he's going to be the best Louisville player in the NBA of all time. I mean, Unseld has that famous stat where he was rookie of the year and MVP his first season, but longevity wise, like Donovan is putting up absurd numbers. He seems to be like the franchise player in Utah for the foreseeable future. Yeah. I mean, I guess it would take him making, they need to at least make a deeper run in the playoffs for him to be solidified as like, you know, one of the, the better NBA players going right now or top five, top 10, however you want to classify that. But it certainly seems like he's going to be the best UFL player of all time if he's not already. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, I think, like, NBA fans, they love to, you know, rank players based on, you know, what, how far did they carry their team. And, um, I mean, if we're looking at just stats, I mean, there's obviously – uh, really no comparison that Don is, is probably going to blow out everyone when it comes to U of L basketball players in the NBA. But, um, as far as, like you said, becoming like a, a top 10 player, uh, the, the NBA critics, so to say, uh, they're going to need him to, to probably, you know, at least make the, the Western Conference finals, um, or the NBA finals or obviously win a championship. Um, if he wants to kind of break into that mold, but, what he's doing is special. He's fun to watch. He's a good guy. Um, I, I think that the NBA has a lot of really good young players that, um, you know, they can build on and, and Don is right near at the top. So, um, it's, it's awesome having him represent the university on a, on a big national stage. Uh, let's see here. Gil Bulberg says. <laughs> Are you the only person in history to be employed by all three Louisville sports stations, 680, 790, and 90? <laughs> I think I am. Like, 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 I did the show with Mark Dennis on 680 back in the day. Shout out to the two-man game. Uh, then was on 93.9 with John Ramsey. Then we went to 790. And I'm so good that I'm now employed by none, none of them and doing podcasts with you. Uh, I think that that's right. I don't think anybody else uh, has been on all three. You need to, like, turn up on, like, 99.7 DJX in, like, five <laughs> years. It's like, wild one, wild one, wild Mike Rutherford. <laughs> show on WFPK, like, coming up next year where I just talk about sports but in a very soft voice. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mike brother, wild one. Uh, Go also says, do you have an update on the Ashton Hagen's money phone situation? Uh, do you remember the money phone thing? Yeah, the picture and um, I think yeah, it was a, I, I, where he's like uh, he was holding a stack of hundred dollar bills up to his his ear like it was a money. Uh, I think it was a telephone. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember there was a big fuss on Twitter about it, but I don't think 
I think UK said they were looking into it, and then nothing really ever came of it. Not a, not really a surprise. I don't I'm, think they said they were looking into it. Like I, I don't really. Think maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Like they uh, never have to talk about this stuff because you know nobody. Here we go. Let's do the rivalry media thing. Like nobody wants to follow up on that stuff. Like like their entire media is just like very. If they're not outright fans, and, and uh, you know I know I'm not one to talk here, but if they're not outright fans, I think they're very. Uh, sympathetic, maybe is the word, to, to UK athletics and to their overall mission. And stuff like that just doesn't really get followed up on. It's like the, was it uh, Deron Lamb who tweeted out the, like, everybody knows at Kentucky you can get whatever you want, and then, like, deleted the tweet an hour later and, you know, it just disappeared forever. But, you know, if a Louisville player does anything, it becomes a 48-hour topic of discussion. Uh, anyways, we don't need to rivalry that much here. Lance says, I like this question. What would be the plot of a crossover episode between Saved by the Bell and Boy Meets World? Oh man, I gotta start reading these questions before we go on air. These just, I, I like need time to think about. Do you have something off the top of your head? It's tough to do off the top of your head. The, the first thing that came into my mind was <laughs> like Feeney gets hired by Bayside and has to kind of, <laughs> this is, what are we doing again here? Right, Feeney gets hired by Bayside. <laughs> And has to sort of set the school in order. I mean, we've got, you got kids cutting everywhere. They're, they're never in class. They've got 75 proms every single year. Somebody has to, to, to get that, to get the shop in order. Maybe Feeney takes over as principal. Belding has to be a teacher or he's assistant principal. And, uh, you know, the, the Boy Meets World crew comes over, but then they learn a little something themselves about how to have fun and not take life so seriously from the Say by the Bell crew. There you go. I That's mean, that that's good. I mean, the, I think the main one everyone would be interested in is like Zach like cheated on Kelly with Topanga, um, and, and Corey just cries throughout the entire episode. Like a hundred percent, that would that, that would be must watch TV for me. I mean, you went right to Zach banging Topanga. It is I mean, I, like that's the whole. That's all you need to know. Somehow we don't know how these two groups of friends got intertwined. We just know that Zach is banging Topanga out of nowhere. And, and Corey's crying. At, at the same ski lodge that Topanga cheated, or that uh, Corey cheated on Topanga with. Yeah, the, the girl he cheated with was on. Um, what was that show that was on? Yeah, she was. Like, she was in Grandma's Boy. She was on. Uh, yeah, I forget her name, but she's she's all over the place now. Did you know that she was married to David Segui, former Major League Baseball player? <laughs> oh my God, that's like the random fact of the century. Holy crap. Oh, don't ask me. I mean, I, I may have been in a <laughs> altered state when I, I was going to say you went down a rabbit hole that I can't even imagine what that night was. We were watching Old Boy Meets World in like college, and we looked her up. And like David fucking Sagi. Uh, anyway, <laughs> the Chronic Argonaut says, "Does anyone from the football team make All ACC first team this upcoming season?" Uh, I would say, I mean, I would guess yes. I don't know if anybody did last year. Um, I can't even remember. Was I would a- say my my first guess would be Trey Clark. Um, I, I think he's got a shot. One um, of the linemen, you know, I think, would have a shot. Maybe Adonis Boone, because um, they're getting a decent amount of love preseason. And I feel like whenever that happens, if the team performs at least moderately well, then some of those offensive linemen get some love from the all-conference picks. So I'm, I'm going to guess that at least somebody does. Trey Clark would probably be a safe bet if he has a decent season, but one of the at least one of the linemen getting a, a nod to would probably be yeah yeah I'm, I'm going to say yes to the question. Um, yeah, I, I agree. 
And I tease through. This is right up your alley as a JFK fanatic. And I tease through says, if we were to find out it was a college basketball coach who killed JFK, who would be your top suspect? Oh my, a college basketball coach? I mean, I, if we're talking like at the time, I mean, Wooden's the only one who would wield that sort of power. And he did have some sort of shady underdealings. Um, I mean, if we're talking right now, I, I mean, I don't know why the first coach that popped in my head, he's not even a coach anymore in college, was Derek Dooley from Tennessee. Like, gives off a lot of Lee Harvey Oswald vibes to me. I could just see him posted up in the library with a shotgun. Uh, I mean, is Dave Bliss? Is that is that a safe? Uh, yeah, I mean, am I, allowed, am I allowed to say that? Obviously, yeah. We're, we're going. We're, we're getting. The, we're treading some. Uh, some waters here. We we, we probably line. should. Yeah, we are walking a thin line, but I, I, I would say I, I'm not the one who had a player kill another player. It's like fuck Dave. I Boy. watched that documentary, and that guy is the worst. I mean, he, he's the worst. He deserves to live the rest of his life in exile. Yeah. So if, I don't feel bad about it at all. Dave Bliss, fuck you. Um, let's see here. Mike Denham says, "How much money would a Cards fan have to publicly donate to underprivileged youth and to LeBron's school for the NCAA to reinstate our title?" The NCAA is the most spiteful organization in America, which is saying something. Like, I don't think there's any amount. Like, I don't think that they could be bought off. Like, I think that they're so entrenched in all this. It's going to take the only thing that's going to return Louisville's title is time. Like, in 15, 20 years, when people look back at this and they're like, and if anybody really looks at the details and sees that, again, Louisville gained no competitive advantage from all of this. It's the, I recognize that gross stuff happened. I do think that Louisville deserved to be punished for it. But if you're looking at actually taking down a banner and taking down a Final Four appearance, there was no competitive advantage gained from any of this. Read the book yourself. I did. It was terrible. It was the worst hour of my of my 2015. There was nobody on the team, <coughs> excuse me, who came to Louisville because of these women. The only recruits, if you're looking at it as a recruiting story, the only recruits who were entertained by them didn't wind up choosing Louisville. So, yeah, I, I think it's going to take time for people to look at that and say, what are we really doing here? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it maybe the, I mean, the, the thing I just hope and pray is, you know, that one day, and I don't know how it's going to happen or what, I just still have faith that somehow the NCAA is just going to disappear and college athletics is just going to enter this whole new phase. I don't know what that's going to be, how it's going to be commissioned. Um, I just think the days of the NCA, it, it just feels like they're fucking up so much that uh, I just don't know how much longer this organization is going to last. Here's open. Uh, Jake Anderson says, when is Clemson DePaul Rutherford due? Uh, I guess the newborn baby. We actually saw we had the full anatomy scan thing a couple weeks ago. Baby's looking good. The due date right now is Halloween. So we're hoping for either a few days early or a few days late just for the baby's sake. But Halloween right now is the due date. Sorry, I got uh, the worst day. I'm dying over here. Uh, maybe this <laughs> I feel bad for you I'm like maybe I should just take over the questions here except I don't know where they're at but yeah we're we're all looking forward to baby Rutherford and Halloween is a, an excellent kind of birthday a lot going on around then so um, baby Rutherford number two is, is in good hands we are 69 days away from the start of the football season 
So my guy PB says, in honor of the 69th day until kickoff, what is the nicest U of L football play that you remember in your lifetime? When you hear that question, where does your mind immediately go? The Mario Uredia stiff arm, a hundred percent. Yep, it's my my favorite play. I was there. It was even though it wasn't like the add-on to Cardinal Stadium hadn't happened yet. Uh, it was the loudest, at least I've ever heard the stadium get, and it was like the first time where I'm like, all right, we have arrived on the national stage. This is the theme of today's show, or one of the themes of today's episode is stuff being taken away from me at the last second. I've got to say, do you remember you had asked me to go to the game with you because your brother was, like, pledging a fraternity at UK and wasn't going to be able to make it back because he was in the middle of all that stuff. And I'll never forget, it was, like, the Friday after class before that game, and I came back home, and I got on my computer, and we had the – it was still, like, AIM was still a big thing, and I had my away message up, and I saw I had, like, three IMs, instant messages from you – And I I knew right away what it was. And it was like, hey, man, I'm so sorry. Like, Colin's going to go to the game now. And I was so upset. I was crushed. And then before the game, you call me, and you're like, dude, this is awesome. Like, I'm in the stadium right now. And you're like, oh, shit, they're stuffing on the bird. You're like, I got to get down there. Kind of implying that you were going to go get into a fight with the Miami team, which was, I mean, I was like, is Danny running out on the field? You were literally acting like you were going to go get in a fight with Miami. Oh, I, that was like probably one of the most like entrenched, like where I felt like I was into the game before. And there was like a certain juice or energy, like even before the players ran out in the field that I wish we had every single home game. That's like my dream. I, I, I know like that this was talked about on like the radio forever and Charlie Strong preached it. Like we got to get fans into the stadium early. And, I mean, we're just not that fan base. It's just not something we do. And it took me, like, 15 years to, like, actually accept it. But, like, in the few games where we do, it just – oh, it's just such a better atmosphere and feeling. Like, I just love it so much. I, I wish we could get everyone on board with it, but I'm not going to – I'm not going to harp on it. I, I sound like the old guy, but I, I just love when we get everyone to the stadium early. It happens sometimes. I mean, like the Miami 2014 game was awesome. That card march was was super cool. And then, I mean, Florida State in 2016. Yeah. It takes – it does. It's definitely not a, a week-in, week-out type deal. And I don't think this year is probably going to be in any exception. I love this question. I think this is a, a good one. Hank Tubbs says, how many American dollars would it take for you to never watch a Louisville basketball game again? You can, <laughs> you can know the results, see the highlights – you just can't actually watch the game in real time. That's a great question. I'm, like, afraid to answer it. Um, I mean, <laughs> how, it's like, how cheap am I? Hmm. Uh, do you want to take a gander here? I mean, $500,000? $500,000? I was thinking in the millions. Like, I mean, I mean, I, 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 may, I'll say probably, I mean, seven five million. That's my exact number. Five million. Okay. Um, no, one point seven five. One point seven five. One point seven five. Um, that's. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that's a, it's a good question. Even that, that feels low. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say four million. One point seven five is not. I mean, like. Louisville's such a, I mean, you gotta think, this is such a big, we have a podcast about it. Obviously, it's a big part of our life. I mean, 
we're, we're, we're going to need – people are going to have to pony up if, if we're never going to watch this again. You're a father of three. You, you've got a family to think about here. You could at least follow, like, the play-by-play on some sort of app. And it'd be tough, but oh, I don't know. It would – yeah. I'll rob a bank. I don't care. There he is. He's robbing banks to, to support his Louisville basketball addiction. I respect it. Um, yeah, let's yeah. see. Last one here. Um, David Coomer says, recruit that you all are the most excited about for this incoming class and or the next one. I don't know if we're talking football or basketball here. Um, I'm really excited for uh, Dre Davis's little brother, uh, Tay Davis. I don't know if you saw the recent highlights. I think he looks like he's going to be a monster and he's just getting better. Um, so that's my answer as of right now. I'll say that. Yeah, I saw the highlights and I mean, he... That, that's a good one to choose. I'll, I'll, I'll go with someone on the roster. I don't know if I'm more excited or just intrigued, but I, I have high hopes for Roosevelt Wheeler. I think this kid could turn out to be really good. Um, I, I like bigs that seem to already have post moves coming into college. I know he's coming off the injury, um, but I, I'm excited about this kid's ceiling. I, I think he could be a major contributor for us for a couple of years. All right, appreciate all the questions from Twitter. We haven't done this in a while. If you're listening to the podcast and you're new, uh, we love to end every episode with Danny with a uh, Dan in the dumps story. He tells a brief story from his life about something stupid that has happened because stupid stuff frequently happens to him. Uh, it's usually something negative. So do we have – let's get to this Dan in the dump story. It's been three yeah. weeks. He's waiting on this. Let's go. Well, uh, so – we uh, we live about five miles. We actually thought it was closer because we didn't really measure it, but we live about five miles from um, Muirfield Golf Club where they play the Memorial. And my wife, God love her, she, she got tickets through work for that Sunday, um, the Sunday round for me and her. So I was like, yeah, let's do it. We were all excited. And I was like, you know what? Like, we should really get in, like, the Dublin spirit and, like, ride our bikes up there. Like, well, she was like, yeah, that's a great idea. So we don't even have bikes. We had to borrow my sister-in-law. Like, they have a bike. You know, my brother-in-law, he has a bike. Um, so we pump up the tires before we go. We're like, all right. I mean, I'm riding in, like, a polo and, <laughs> like, boat shoes and, you know, you know, khaki shorts. Um, and my wife's riding in, like, some little, like, sundress. So it was already kind of a weird ride. Let's just say we underestimated the ride. First off, we get like a fourth of the way there, and I notice like even though we pump the tires, like uh, my my wife's tires are like completely flat. She is like pedaling her ass off. I was like, Jesus! I was like, Are you all right? She's like, This is tougher than I thought it was gonna be. She's like, How much longer do we have? I was like, We haven't even gotten a mile yet. And we're like, Jesus! I was like, I I can take over for you. She's like, No, I'm gonna do it. So. I mean, Dublin's pretty flat, but for whatever reason, this took us, like, like around the course, like, through, like, kind of the woods that surround the course. I mean, we're talking extensive hills, not just, like, baby hills. Like, I mean, we had to, like, get up and, like, walk our bike up these hills. By the time we get there, I mean, we are just absolutely drenched in sweat. I mean, my feet are hurting. We're like, oh, God, like, what? you know, that was that was really kind of we, – we underestimated the bike ride. Anyways, tournament was great, even though we walked forever. Um, on 18, there was a playoff. The skies unexpectedly opened up. It poured down rain. Colin Morikawa missed a putt. Patrick Cantlay won. So then we have to go back to our bikes. 
and we're drunk at this point. We're disgusting. We're wet. And we got to ride these, the, the flat tire bike and the other bike five miles home. So we start the journey home and this is kind of where this story gets hilarious. So, um, it, on the golf course, we walked out of number six and there's a road that runs parallel called Dublin Road. And I'm just riding down the sidewalk, maybe like 15 yards in front of my wife. And there's like a main road where the cars are going by. And like out of slow motion, I look left. And I see this squirrel like coming across the road and this car is going like maybe like 70 miles an hour. And like, I was like, uh Oh, it's coming. And all of a sudden, like the squirrel like jumped like this little jump. And I mean, this fucking car hit this squirrel. It might've done like 900 flips in the air and like in slow motion, I'm like, no. And all of a sudden this squirrel like on, it was like someone put it on a tee lands right on the sidewalk in front of me as my bike is going downhill and I just run right over its head. I mean, I squished this squirrel's head so hard in front of like a group of like 10 people. They're like, Oh my God. I was like, I'm sorry. I couldn't stop. Like, so I just completely ran over this squirrel. It was, it was heartbreaking. I, I, I didn't go back to check. I, I just kept on riding. I was too embarrassed to stop. I think I gave like a faint, like, sorry, as I rode by this group of people. Um, but I mean, the journey home maybe took like an hour of bike riding going up and down hills. By the time I got home, our feet were blistered. It was just an all around unexpected kind of disaster of a bike ride. We had a great time in the tournament, but killing a squirrel on the way home wasn't what I expected when I was, when I was riding the bike home. Can I just say, like, I, first of all, I love that, like, getting in the Dublin spirit is riding bikes somehow, as if it's the only place in the world. We have a billion bike lanes here in Louisville. You, you can't Not like they do here. Not like they do here. It's a flat city around here. Well, not only is it getting in the spirit, you don't even have fucking bikes. It, it's like, we're going to do this. We don't, we, but you don't have bikes. Like, that's just, the whole thing was absurd. Here's uh, the deal. We're losers, okay? This is what we do. We're losers. So I'm like, hey, you know, instead of taking, like, a Uber that probably would have cost a dollar, Let's make our day more miserable and, and ride bikes. So we did just that. Oh, God. I love it. Um, it that was a good one. I enjoyed it. Uh, if, if you're unfamiliar uh, with the podcast, we love uh, for you to subscribe wherever you listen to the to podcast and also give us a, a rating and leave us a review. And to try to encourage you to do that, we love to read the reviews on air, even if they're, uh, you know, silly or, or, or dumb or mean to us. It's it, Those are even better. We have one new review here. That fish tank guy says, it's kind of like a holiday, question mark is the title of the comment. And he says, nothing says great podcast like sitting anxiously on the seat, edge of your seat for months at a time waiting for the next new episode. Uh, seriously, though, I look forward to it. Bring back R&R or maybe R&D. Uh, that would be, I guess, what, Rutherford and Danny? I like that I would go by my last name, but you wouldn't in that hypothetical. Would that be okay? Maybe he wants a Ramsey and Dan spinoff, which I 100% would be on on board for. I love that I just assumed it was me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Ramsey and Dan. Ram, Ram and Dan. That would be – I'd listen to that show. You'd be fantastic. Uh, anyways, we are going to get back to doing this regularly. No more vacations. Hopefully no more illnesses for uh, either of us or our kids. Um, and, Dan, I know your kids are doing sports everywhere. I feel bad even complaining about having one. I can't imagine how summer is with three kids running around everywhere, but it sounds like you're holding it together. Yeah, man, I'm I'm proud of you. This sounded like your Jordan flu game. You got through it. 
Um, I, I'm proud of you for making it through the episode there with the, with the uh, throat tickle about midway through. Don't call me a hero, but I'm still here. Still here. Still here. Uh, until we talk to you guys again, go cards. Go cards.